0: Welcome in AWA Unleashed. We are the number one self-proclaimed preeminent podcast dedicated to telling the stories and reliving the memories of the American Wrestling Association. My tubs, we have got a big show on tap for today. We did have to, uh, they do say card subject to change and it is not what we were going to do we had a, a slight change in plans. Barry Darsa uh, cannot make it today. Uh, he's got something that's a little bit more important. Um, but uh, we are going to talk about the managers and valets of the American Wrestling Association. And that being said, let's bring in uh, Polish Joe and Mick Karch. And, and, and guys, this was just one of these. I don't know how much we want to get into details, but uh, – Barry, he was very much going to be on. He is going to be on. It's just sometimes life happens for all of us, and Barry could not be here today.
1: Yeah, and in the full disclosure, uh, a lot of people know that Arn Anderson's son, uh, Barrett, had passed away suddenly. And uh, Barry is actually, as we speak, on his way to Charlotte, North Carolina for the funeral. And as you said, Chris, life not only gets in the way, but there's more important things. And, and uh, our condolences, of course, to Iron Anderson
2: mm-hmm. and,
1: uh, and Barry will be with us very, very soon.
2: Yep. You know, you said stuff happens. There's a reason that there's a bumper sticker that says shit happens. It could also say life happens. And this is just one of those. And yes, Arn sincere mm-hmm. condolences to yeah. yourself, to your family on the loss of your son.
0: And I'm glad, Mick, that that you said there are things that are more important. We love this podcast. We love doing the podcast. Uh, regardless, you might not think so. We do bust our ass, so we do put a lot of work into it. Uh, we like to have some fun, but at the end of the day, there's there are things that are monumentally uh, more important to our day-to-day lives than than this podcast. And again, we love it. This is kind of a release. This is kind of an outlet. This is, you know, shits and giggles sort of thing. Uh, in life um, we do have a big big announcement and we've got a massive amount of details on a very special event that we've got coming up at the end of the show
2: Are you gonna keep us in the dark
0: uh you're gonna have to wait until after we're finished with the normal subject to hear about uh i know you're jumping at the opportunity but i'm telling you right now you're just gonna have to wait, okay?
2: Okay, if we have to,
0: you, you you're gonna have to. Um, <laughs> Want to thank uh, before we get into uh, today. Want to thank you uh, see Soda Stick right up there. They are the number one and the only place to get your AWA Unleash merchandise. Yeah, you know, if you're looking for T-shirts, if you're looking for hoodies, because the hoodies are are the windows back open. Don't go anywhere else. If you're going anywhere else, you're getting the bullshit stuff. You're getting the fake stuff, right? You want to get the real shizzle, the stuff that Mick's wearing right now. He got that from SodaStickCO.com. Use the promo code UNLEASHED, and you can get 15% off your order. And uh, by the way, also, 7th Avenue Pizza, if you have not tried it, might have an opportunity for you to try it. (laughs) Okay? So I know some of you are looking for it. Might have an opportunity for you to have it. But check it out, 7thAvenuePizza.com. If you can't get it in, let me know. If you can't find it, if it was stocked and it's not there, let me know. uh, Because we're going to try and get this out to you guys, especially in the upper Midwest, as much as we can. All right, guys. um, I know we're going to get into the managers and valets, but I know, Mick, you've you've got something that um, you want to say before we really get into it
1: yeah i just wanted to acknowledge one can I, of the, can I can
0: i give you full screen too or do you still want to stay yeah you the, go ahead
1: okay um, what, I, what i wanted to acknowledge here is one of the great veterans of all time paul butcher Vashan. uh paul actually posted on facebook something that really got to me um paul is up there in age and his uh his physical health has been kind of deteriorating for a while and he posted on Facebook that his memory's starting to go a little bit, and he's uh, scheduled to have a, a major surgery coming up. And I just wanted to tip the hat to Paul Vichon and uh, wish him very, very best wishes uh, for a speedy recovery. He is one tough SOB, and on top of that, one of the nicest guys you'd ever want to meet. So Butcher, hang in there, kick out once again, as you have so many times. We love you.
2: A legend by every stretch of the yep. imagination. Yep. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I, I saw that and it just, it's
0: its sad when you see something like that, just sending him the memories. And that, I think this just shows how much these guys value the fans, how much they enjoy. You know, now that the, that fourth wall kayfabe has been broken, you really get to pay back to these guys that have given okay. back so much
1: absolutely great great point great point it's out there right now and and no you know no skirting around corners and hiding behind walls Um, yeah it's out there
2: well and and, uh, I'd like to add uh, as we referred to earlier with Barry Darso and how life happens these guys are larger than life characters on TV but the reality is they're just people they go through the same things that you and I do with mm-hmm. our families, with our friends, and Butcher is he, he is he is down for the count. Sad to say, I mean, I'm trying to think of a of a better way to put it, but he's just a human being, and he is going through the last stages of his life, and uh, Butcher. If you're listening, thank you for uh, allowing me to grow up hating you. You did your mm-hmm. job well. Beautiful. Beautiful.
0: It's, uh, it's an iconic family and iconic memories all the way around. I, I mean, I don't know there's anybody that can't think about the Vashans and can't think fondly of what they've given to the wrestling business.
1: Well, raise that shoulder at the count of two, Butcher. That's right. Kick <laughs> out go. one
0: more time. All right, uh, let's get to today's topic, guys. And this is going to be about managers and valets. And they were such a big part of the AWA and, and really a lot of territories. I felt like they were a much bigger part of the stories than, than what we've got today. And I know that's something, Mick, that you want to talk about here. But let me ask you guys this. When I say the word manager... What comes to mind, Joe?
2: First thing that pops into my mind is the single greatest overall performer in the history of the business, and that is Sir Robert Heenan, or Bobby the Brain, Bobby the Weasel Heenan, uh, the consummate professional wrestling manager, announcer, and you name it. But that's the first thing that pops into my mind. Second thing, we really just don't see a manager or valet anymore. Sort of sad.
1: You know, it's a great point, Joe. And the same thing popped into my head. How can it not? You know, when you talk about a wrestling manager, automatically you go to Bobby Heenan. And the interesting thing, Chris, and Joe, you touched on it, there really aren't any managers anymore on the national stage. Uh, you might have, a, I, I guess the closest would be maybe Paul Heyman as the advocate. Um, but no managers are actually at ringside getting involved, uh, interfering, doing the talking for their guy on screen or what have you. That's a lost art. If you think back to, especially the WWF back in the 1970s and 19, early 1980s, they had so many managers, you know, you would have a card and and three different managers would come out three different times or four different times with their wrestler, Mr. Fuji, or or Lou Albano, you know, on and on and on. And Grand Wizard, today, not so much. And it was interesting, when I was researching the AWA, the history of the AWA over the 30-plus years, there were not that many managers that had longevity. There were some that would come in for a little while and be in the guy's corner, but the AWA didn't rely too much on managers outside of uh, Bobby Heenan and a couple others.
2: And I have to say, this thing I've found that I find very, <clears throat> not strange, maybe unique is a better way to put it, with Bobby. Back in the day, the promoter would assign a, ref- or a referee, a manager to a talent that, wasn't too well versed on the mic shall we say but in bobby's case they put him with nick Backwinkle, correct and the amazing part to me is that it worked oh. so well and and, oh. and, why, and why, why
0: do you feel it why do you guys feel it? the pairing of and i know we'll get into these guys you know a little bit more when we go through our list but just setting the stage, why do you feel like the pairing of Bobby Heenan and Nick Bockwinkel worked, even though both of them could cut interviews on their own?
1: I'll tell you exactly why. And, and Joe, piggyback on this, please. You had two guys that were taking shots at the fans from two different directions. Uh, Nick was, was coming out as the intellectual, and, he, you know, the eight to five humanoid lifers, and he did the million-dollar words. And Bobby would come out and he would insult the fans. You know, he'd call them names. And he would basically make fun of them. So you had two polar opposites. But the one thing that they had in common was that they were both allegedly rich, allegedly from Beverly Hills, <laughs> and they looked down on the average wrestling fan. And that's all it took. And it was
2: magic. Like any pairing, Chris, you can – you can put two things together or two wrestlers together that you think are going to make a great tag team or a great manager in a tag team, but you need to have that, that something special, that thing that they gel well together, and Nick and Bobby and Ray, they just did that. They meshed so well together, and that's what made them successful for their, what, about a 14, maybe about 12, 14-year run in the AWA. And and think about that. You guys are talking
0: about a 12 to 14-year run with a manager and a wrestler. We don't get anything for more than maybe a year right now because of what they call this hot shot booking, right? There, there's no long-term booking, and part of that can be that slow – you know, this, this friendship, the relationship. You really believed that that manager was – you know, really connected with the talent. I want to ask you, Mick, because I know this is something that that you were looking to bring up. The difference now between the advocates or, you know, whatever they're calling themselves, you know, compared to the AWA or the NWA or, you know, any of the other territories, there's such a difference in how they're presented now more so than what they were even you know 10 15 years ago
1: if you think about it and as i said at the outset chris nobody is really a manager these days uh Heyman is the advocate uh stokely hathaway i don't know what, even what you call him um Usually what you will see is a member of the faction or a a tag team partner or whatever will be in the corner seconding uh, the wrestler. Uh, The Whatever they call them these days are not as animated as they were. They didn't get involved in the action as much as they did. They certainly didn't get in the ring and wrestle uh, as often as they did back in the day. Uh, The manager was almost an equal part a lot of times, of getting people into the building uh, as the wrestler. I would say probably today with with Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar, Heyman does a brilliant job, or when he was managing Brock, Mm -hmm. brilliant job in getting people into the arena. Uh, For the most part, the rest of the guys that you see around today are just kind of there. They're window dressing. They may be a little bit of a mouthpiece, but not significant.
0: Um, You mentioned the, the Paul Heyman thing. Can we make any sort of a connection? And I know the Heenan Bachwinkle pairing was elite. Can we make any connection between those two and what Paul Heyman is doing current time with Roman Reigns? Because I feel like Roman Reigns in this current run that he's got, he has I feel like he's elevated himself to a level that we have not seen. And he's very much capable of talking the people into the building, as they would say. Can, can you make any connection between Heyman and Reigns and what Bachwickle and Hena did?
1: No, and I'll tell you why, because you hit it right on the head. Uh, Roman Reigns has developed into such a talent. I mean, he has absolutely aced this role as the head of the table, the tribal chief. If you watch Paul Heyman, Paul always used to be a really aggressive kind of a guy really antagonistic really go for the juggler kind of a guy he's subservient to roman reigns in this role so manager no advocate yes it, it's almost like the on-screen character of paul Heyman is more of a business associate and in a in a uh you know a business manager than he
2: is a wrestling manager so i i really think it's apples and oranges I agree with that assessment. I mean, Chris, I know where you're coming from. You know, you can see some similarity, but the dynamic is completely different than what Bobby and Nick had. Okay, and
0: uh, one more question before we get into uh, everything else. Managers and, you know, valets, we think about the heels, we think about the villains, we think about the bad guys. Why do we always associate those with the bad guys and the villains and the cheating, rather than, you know, w- we don't think about the baby faces and, and the you know the good guys? W- why is that, Mick?
1: I, I would say a, a couple of things, Chris. First of all, if you think about the the good guy managers over the years, you know, you think about Arnold Arnold Skolman, you know, and that, that's a pretty short list. Um, I, I I think. It's just a natural, a manager who's going to be animated is going to interfere and cheat on his wrestler's behalf. Uh, A babyface manager is not going to do that. He's going to kind of stand in the corner and let things play out. So it's only a natural that the manager would attach himself to some guy who is going to do, do his skullduggery for him mm-hmm. so I, th- I think that's oh, that a that's job.
0: a good word that's a skullduggery i love that that might be the first time we've thrown that word around on the show
1: Well, it won't be the last <laughs> let's talk about the rest of them because i know we're going to talk about bobby again
0: yes uh let's go ahead and uh get into them and uh first of all uh Pro- professor steve and uh <laughs> I, I can't say the rip because of a uh, a mistyping, but I'm gonna Mick. I'm gonna let you go ahead and go.
1: It's Professor Steve Druck, D R U K, and Professor Steve is the really the first manager that I can remember that made an impact in the AWA, and he had started out as an enhancement talent. He's from Minneapolis, or it was from Minneapolis. Uh, professor has passed. And they called him the judo expert, Steve Druck. I'm not sure if uh, Steve ever utilized his judo at any matches, but he was just a journeyman guy. And then all of a sudden, they had him manage Chris Markov when Markov came to the AWA area in the early 1960s. And Professor Druck, all of a sudden, he's a professor. He came out very eloquently, kind of Bockwinkle-like, Uh, In his uh, speech pattern, came out with a derby hat on, which all, of course, had some kind of fiberglass or metal or something inside that he could, you know, use to conk his opponent over the head. Uh, Steve Druck was a very talented wrestler, and he feuded with the Crusher for a long, long time, Uh, managed Markov, Harley Race, Larry Hennig. So Professor Steve, was a, he was a, a big name and, and really the first guy. And then when he got out of the business, I mean, he got out of the business. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't show up at fan conventions or anything else. Uh, his family owned an upholstery store uh, on the north side of Minneapolis for years and years. But uh, Professor Steve Druck was the first manager of the import in the AWA.
2: I have to admit, I don't remember Steve Druck. Probably, I mean, he was before my time, but like you do pretty much every week, Mick, you send me the photos. I go through them. There's always one. There's always been one that I was, do not know who it was. And in mm-hmm. this case, it was a professor, Steve Druck. And so, Hey, even I'm learning something. I am not the authority on the AWS. <laughs> I see. Yeah. There.
0: yeah <laughs> and yeah, I'm glad you said Steve Druck because when you when you first typed it and it you you know obviously it fat fingered something, it came up as you know Steve something else. So I I just didn't want to you know I wanted to make sure that that I wasn't you know saying.
1: Well, let, let me just expand on that a little bit because okay. uh, here's a little known fact: back in the day. Ivan Kolmakoff, who had turned babyface and was managing the mighty Igor in the AWA, was actually feuding with Professor Druck. And Ivan came out on television and referred to him as Professor Drek. Now, in Yiddish, Drek is shit. And uh, <laughs> so uh, I don't know how many people knew back in the day what Ivan was referring to, but there you go. The, the, the first, uh, you know semi work shoot uh promo Mm. i guess moving on
0: work shit shoot okay this is a name that uh and and face that a lot of people are going to remember and uh i know he was a friend of yours Uh, mick uh sir oliver humperdinck
1: i never understood outside of the fact that he hated minnesota weather because he grew up here uh why sir oliver moved to florida Uh, It was to get away from the cold, from the ravages of Minnesota for health issues. When you say Professor or or, uh, Sir Oliver Humperdinck, in terms of the AWA, it was boom, in and out. He did not have a long stint. And as a matter of fact, what he did was he substituted for Sheik Adnan LKC when Sheik Adnan could not uh, make some bookings. And Sir Oliver came out actually with the entire chic garb. And I believe he was managing uh, Jerry Blackwell and uh, Ken Patera in Adnan's absence. But Sir Oliver Humperdinck himself, he might be a blip on the AWA radar, but not on my radar, not on the radar of the great wrestling managers of all time. And if you knew him personally, there was not a nicer, more down-to-earth guy then Red Sutton, Sir Oliver Humpernick.
2: It's a shame that we lost him and we didn't, <clears throat> didn't have him for longer uh, here. But surprises me, he moved to Florida to stay away from Minnesota winters, but then at the end of his run, shall we say, he was living back in Minneapolis, was he yeah. back? Yeah, he came back to
1: Minneapolis and by that time, you know, God love him. He had a myriad of health issues and he was one of these guys that, you know, you got to quit smoking red. Well, no, OK, I'm you know towards the end anyway. So that was the kind of the life he lived. But uh, to a person, if you ask anybody in the business, what a sweetheart of a guy, Sir Oliver.
2: I've heard that on many, many, many occasions. All right. Uh, before we get to the, uh, the next one, want to ask you guys, um, thank you
0: for listening and you know watching wherever please subscribe to the youtube channel that's the best way to uh to really help us grow uh click subscribe mick will pay for it uh it's you know he will pay for your youtube subscription Ah. to awa unleashed and that helps us grow uh that's the best way to to really you know kind of jump on board with us uh also comment share like just kind of Get the word out with us, uh, you know, doing, doing it for a little over a year. And uh, hopefully you're enjoying it. But we want to continue our upward uh, trajectory. Uh, well, the, the next one here, guys, um, I've got a picture. And these two, I feel, are synonymous wherever they went. It's uh, Jimmy Garvin and ah. Precious.
1: Jimmy Garvin and Precious, of course, uh, started their national run. Uh, down in the Dallas area, Jimmy actually started out with Sunshine, and uh, and then turned to his real life manager, a uh, real life wife, uh, Precious, and uh, Patty and uh, and Jimmy, two of the nicest people again in the business. And how terrific were they together? And Precious was one of those valets that just wasn't at ringside for her looks. She had that spray can, that aerosol can. And when things mm-hmm. got a little rough for uh, for Gorgeous Jimmy, and it was not his fault. Remember, it was not Jimmy's fault. Uh, she would take that <laughs> spray can, that aerosol <laughs> can, right into the eyes of whoever Jimmy was wrestling. And uh, just a terrific, terrific duo. And she really got over here uh, big time in the AWA.
2: So I got uh, uh, two points. The first one is this is she was never a manager. She was never a manageress. She was a valet. And so we were talking about earlier about how they would put somebody with a talent that couldn't cut a proper promo. Well, Patty really didn't talk. Precious, I should say. She didn't talk. She was, and I do say this respectfully, she was the dastardly eye candy to gorgeous Jimmy Garvin and then Mr. Electricity, Steve Regal. So that's point one. Point two, I will forever remember gorgeous Jimmy Garvin, precious and Mr. Electricity, Steve Regal because they were the very first interview on my very first day that I ever worked for the AWA. Of course, they had just, with the help of the Freebirds, had just beaten the Road Warriors the night before to win the Tag Team Championship belt. So always just a special place in my heart and in my memory, my very first experience working for the legendary Mm -hmm. AWA.
0: And and those are the sort of stories, Joe, that I love that you bring that nobody else can because just to piggyback and, and like in my mind i'm imagining your first day you know as a young producer director you got jimmy garvin the Freebirds, precious you know just coming off that road like to me my simple mind can't fathom all of that like i don't know like those are the things that i feel just add so much to the podcast, and, and that's Again, that's something that only you can add.
2: Well, I, I appreciate that. I, I You are jumping in the gun a little bit. I was not a young director. I was not a young producer. Hell, I was barely a camera guy. I was a 20-year-old kid who, by sheer fortune, was called in to run camera for an interview. And uh, it as I stated, it was Garvin Regal and Precious that I did the interview for, and mm-hmm. uh, just phenomenal. I, I you know, let, let's get in that uh, time back machine, Mick, and uh, and and let's go back to ten thousand one one Y Z Boulevard into that renovated church building, and and do those again. Just oh, God, what a special time!
1: Great, great times, and you hit it right on the head about Precious. She, she she didn't talk but she had such charisma that she just had to stand in the background while Jimmy was talking and make faces and sneer, and she was over like gangbusters.
2: Well, let's give her more credit than that. I mean, she was a, I know, still is a very attractive woman, and she wore the very tight uh, spandex or, you know, uh, yes. Hey, like I said, I was 20 years old, Nick. You know what? You're going to get. Tubbs is going to start buffering
1: here, so let's move <laughs> on to the next uh,
2: next gimmick. I love that. Chris, quit buffering. <laughs> Chris, hello. He's there. <laughs> Elapsed
1: he time, 60 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, Joe, just take the depth.
0: Damp- yeah. <laughs> Take the compliment. I mean it's wrestling. I gotta to, got to embellish. If I say you're a young producer, director, you're a fucking young producer and director.
1: Hey, um, come, on, come on, come on. Tubbs pays the bills. If he says that you're an iguana, you're an iguana. <laughs> yes, right. You know? that's,
0: that's right. Hey, uh, we're on a we're on a nice little run here, and we're to, since we're in the valets, here's a pairing that um I don't really need to say anything about. We know it. Sherry Martell, Doug Summers, and Buddy
1: Rose. The interesting thing about this is that you could go on and on about Sherry Martell, you know, and her later career, Um, and all the people that she managed from Harlem Heat and WCW going into, you know, WWE, whatever. But Buddy Rose and Doug Summers and Sherry Martell, what a pairing. Sherry is relatively new to the AWA. Buddy Rose had been gone forever. The last time people saw him, he was Paul Persman. Doug Summers was an enhancement guy for years. And all of a sudden, again, magic was created. I don't know whose idea it was to put them together, if that was Vern or Greg or who it was, but it was tremendous. Mm -hmm. And to me, nobody better than Sherry Martell. When you talk about valets, managers, whatever you want to call them, Sherry is right up there in the top three or five ever in the history of the business.
2: Agreed. Scary Sherry fit her very well because Sherry could be as pleasant uh, as can be on camera. And then that light switch flipped and she turned into Scary Sherry Martell and she did it well. But one thing that I... I'd be remiss if I didn't say she was more than a manager or manageress. I never really liked the manageress gimmick, but not the the word, I should say. The gimmick was fine. But Sherry Martell was one of the best female wrestlers of her time. Her matches with Candy Divine classic matches in the awa sherry was phenomenal inside the ring and she was scary sherry inside the ring as well go go look on youtube go look at old matches of sherry martell to truly appreciate what a great overall talent that she was
1: absolutely absolutely one of the greatest ever no doubt yep
0: Well, let's uh, talk about someone else that, you know, a lot of people remember this individual as a wrestler, as maybe one of the best women in the history of the business. We're going to keep going with that. And uh, that is Medusa Michelli.
1: There she is with Mr. Magnificent Kevin Kelly the Shelly and Kelly attorneys at law. Uh, <laughs> the, uh...
0: It's like Saul Goodman and uh, Kim Wexler. There you... mean, what it like.
1: And what I would say about that and, and Medusa's managerial career was not all that long, which is a good thing for the wrestling business, not because she wasn't a, a great manager or valet, whatever we want to call her, but because her wrestling career just exploded. Uh, Back in the day, of course, she's managing Kevin Kelly. She's managing Nick Kaniski, Kurt Hennig in the AWA. And I think this was a really good thing because while Medusa was wrestling, she was still relatively new to the business. So she's got the little green around the edges. So being around talent like Kurt Hennig, you know, like, you know, the, the rest of them really kind of expanded her wings a little bit. And I thought in her role, uh, coming out in the leather all the time. And I forget what leather company, uh, she was promoting on AWA TV all the time. <laughs> though but, uh, Medusa was a real deal. Love her to death. What a tremendous talent. And that, again, you're going back to late eighties, AWA.
2: And like I had to do for Sherry, uh, or, or said for Sherry, um, Medusa, phenomenal wrestler. Yep. But the thing with her manager, in, um, Mick, you had said she was still very green in the business. Here's where I want to give her the kudos that she deserves. You're, when she was first, first doing promos, eh, like a lot of new people in the business, eh, they were eh, you know, all right. She went out there and, and you know looked pretty and, and did her shtick. But she very quickly... Learned how to do the promos. And no, this is not coincidental, but it's maybe ironic isn't the right word as well. But when she got her first enhancements, shall we say, um, she really then blossomed into a very good promo. I don't think that one had to do with the other. Maybe it gave her more confidence. But, damn, she really picked up her game and turned it up a notch when she started managing, especially Kurt Henning.
1: I think the word blossoming is is very <laughs> appropriate. And, well, it's a family uh, show, goddammit. Well, well done on that one, shoot. <laughs> moving, on, moving along, Joe, who do we got next?
0: Oh, my God, the, the, the innuendo... Uh, okay. All right. Yeah. I know that the next one is uh, someone that you had talked about earlier, Mick, and we know him under his uh, his real name. But uh, I first knew him as Paul E. Dangerously.
1: There he is. And and look at that phone. And again, what I love about that phone is when he went to WCW when he clocked that goofball. What, what was his name from me? Uh, Jason Hervey.
0: Oh,
1: Paul, yes, from the wonder Paul, years. Yeah. Uh, but Paul E. Uh, is a genius. I mean, he really, from, a, from a, a creative standpoint in this business, he had been managing in the South, came up here to the AWA area in 1987. And, of course, he was with the original Midnight Express, uh, Randy Rose and Dennis Condry, and, of course, the adorable Adrian Adonis. Mm -hmm. And Paul Lee, talk about the gift of gab. I I would say that Paul Lee was half the man then that he is now. And I mean, from a physical standpoint, uh, (laughs) he looks a little bit different now. Uh, But Paul was just, he always had creative ideas in mind and he would get very frustrated. I I remember we would have conversations if the office didn't listen to him. Uh, Talk about a guy who could bring people into the building. Thirty-five years ago he could do it, and he's still doing it today. And God love him. You know, he's he's got his detractors in the business. But when you talk about the all time greats, Joe, Chris, I'm sure you agree, uh, Paul Heyman is right up there, no doubt.
2: I would put Holly yes. Dangerously slash Paul Heyman as second in the history of the AWA, the second best manager slash talker next to Bobby Heenan. He Agreed. is that good and is still that good today. Amazing. He knows what works. Yep. And he can push those buttons. He yep. just he just knows how to change his inflection, to take yep. his pauses and deliver the message so that every cretinous humanoid at home can just eat his guts.
1: And I'll yep. forgive him for hiring Joey Styles over me. That's That's fine. <laughs> oh my oh, God! I I, I, I won't uh, I won't bring it up thirty years later. Don't worry. I, I won't. You're definitely. a bigger
0: man
2: than that. Make them yeah. glad that you didn't bring it up.
0: Good. I can't I can't do the Joey Styles. I tried it and I I, I can't do it. Uh, the the next one I think is a guy that just work ethic. I, I you can't, might have the best work ethic of all time. I don't have a picture up and uh, ready to go, but it's Diamond Dallas
1: Page. Dallas Page, again, here's a guy that gets into the business later in in life, you know, in his 30s, and talk about a guy with the gift of gab. And, you know, his wrestling career blossomed, you know, long after that. Former world heavyweight champion. Uh, one of my great friends in the business. Uh, he had the, uh, the diamond exchange back then, and uh, he was the gift of gab, is dallas page both in the ring and away from the ring and i am so happy for his success and he came out of nowhere boom all of a sudden he's there and uh joe you were there i mean you know how damn good this guy was and is and he's got to be right up there in in the best in the awa
2: no question about it um the only downside to Paige, being a manager, he's too big, huge. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I'm I'm six foot three, two hundred pounds, and uh, I believe Paige has probably got me by maybe about an inch. And by the way, looks better today oh. than he did back in the '80s doing his DDP yoga. I've not done it, but it's like, damn, damn, Paige, I I got to start doing the yoga. Uh, you you look fantastic. Had the pleasure of seeing him for the first time at a M.A.W. show um, this, this past November. Um, great to see him. Great to see him Talked with his uh, with his current wife uh, uh, extensively. Um, just a great guy. Great all the way guy. He deserves everything that he got from this business because he put his heart and soul in. Sure is.
1: Good God.
2: Yep. You got it.
1: Does, oh. this guy, does this guy need an introduction? No, nope. he doesn't need an introduction. Now, would would you look at that man right there? And would you ever, ever in a million years, figure him out to be a crossdresser?
2: But he, he was never a manager. Let's let's state the record Uh-oh. properly. Baron von Raschke was never a manager. No, no, he actually was not. You you are correct, but Thank for you. a very short stint. <laughs> Uh
1: Baron went into his wife's uh closet, I think, <laughs> and uh and pulled out uh some of her her accoutrement. God, I choked myself on that one.
2: And what became, what, you, what is
1: that? What is that word? Uh, don't make me do it again. Seriously, I'm a accoutre maw. You learned two things today. Baron von Raschke became Bertha Von Rasky, Uh, she was hired on by Rick Martell. And you notice I say she was hired on by Rick Martell because Rick was sick and tired of Precious interfering in his matches on behalf of gorgeous Jimmy Garvin. So, lo and behold, there you go, ladies and gentlemen, Rick Martell. And look at that. Look at that stunning, that absolutely knockout, drop-dead gorgeous blonde Next to him, that's Bertha Von Raschke with her own can of Raid or whatever it was, uh, decon. And uh, I I would just venture to say in Barron's illustrious career, I don't know that that would be right up there at the top with some of the championship belts he's won. But nonetheless, look at that combination right there. How'd you like to go into a bar and see those two having a beer next to you? That's Bertha von Raschke and Rick Martel. A couple of gorgeous hunks, wouldn't you say?
2: Bertha von Raschke. Yeah. Um, still safe to say that. I guess that's all the people need to know.
1: Oh, it is. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is.
2: <laughs> the, the beer goggles are strong on this one. Yeah. Um, they have <laughs> to be. <laughs> Mo- Might need the whiskey goggles for that yeah, one. Apparently yeah. so. Would, would, uh, that, would, would that be. Uh, um, uh, Georgine Clooney,
1: that was Georgine Clooney. Okay. Yes, Georgine. very good, very good.
2: Well done. Uh,
0: here's a name that we talked about last week on some of the, the mid card uh performers of the 80s. But if I can find the uh picture, here we go. One and only Ox Baker, ah.
1: Ox Baker, and there he is with the Russian brood. And we talked extensively about Ox. Uh, a guy that really should have done more in the AWA as a monster heel. He did so well everywhere else uh, with that Ox Baker killer persona. Came to the AWA with uh, George Petraki, the, uh, the Russian brute. God bless both of them. They're no longer here. But it was, it was really kind of sad because, excuse me, Joe, as you said last week, uh, Ox could barely move around. Uh, By the time he came to the AWA in 1989, 1990, uh, he still had that gift of gab. He still had that foghorn voice of his. But uh, the killer ox, I I think, had long since disappeared.
2: He did, but he didn't really need much else because take a look. I mean, that is the proverbial face that only a mother could love. Mm-hmm. um ox baker with i mean he had more hair on his eyebrows than a lot of men have later in their career that large handle handlebar mustache i mean he when he first walked into the awa studios and i saw him i'm like holy shit I, he scared the living hell out of me. Mm-hmm. But then he started talking, and God, what a nice guy. Wonderful guy. I that had no issues with him, even with his experience. He'd get done with the promo. He'd come back into the control room, and he would ask me, was it good? Is there anything I need to do better? Did I miss anything? It's like, ox, no. <laughs> like you've been doing for mm-hmm. decades, you hit it out of the park, my friend. John Studd and the hard punch ain't got nothing
1: on Ox Baker and his legendary hard punch. And Ox used to come to the ring with a gurney, with a stretcher that had the words on it, Ox Baker's carry out service. <laughs> that. Love loved it. Loved it.
0: Fantastic. Uh, we got a few more we got to get to, guys. Um, how about this one? Lord Alfred Hayes.
1: Uh, one of my absolute favorite people in the business ever. Um to say it was an honor to work with him is an understatement. Lord Alfred Hayes, sadly, towards the end of his career, is only known as the clown that he was made on WWF, uh, doing the announcing and and uh, you know commercials and what have you. He was a great technical wrestler uh, in England first before he came to the United States. Uh, Lord Alfred had established himself as a great in-ring technician. In the central states area with Roger Kirby comes to the AWA and by God, super destroyer, uh, the original super destroyer, Don Jardine, and then of course two and three, uh, Bob Remus and Neil Guey, and then he turned babyface at the end of his run, and of course had the feud with Bobby Heenan. Loser leaves town, and Lord Alfred went packing, uh, unfortunately. But what a tremendous talent! Again, both in the ring and on the sidelines.
2: I like to think of Lord Alfred Hayes as the British version of Nick Bockwinkle when it came to interviews because of their arrogance and eloquence that they delivered on the mic. Um, Certainly different, but to me, they had the same sort of of approach. The highfalutin, stick-up-your-nose approach to the fans they really just delivered.
1: God loves Lord Alfred Hayes.
0: Yeah. We got a few more we're going to get to here. We got about 15 minutes left. Uh, reminder, <clears throat> we've got a big announcement coming up, or uh, you know, we've got more details on our big announcement coming up uh, a little bit uh, later on at the end of the show. Stick around for that. And, uh, guys, I mean, come on. Johnny Valiant.
1: Luscious Johnny Valiant. just without- Johnny V. With all good intentions, the AWA brought Johnny Valiant in. Tremendous speaker, tremendous mouthpiece, and he was going to talk for Hulk Hogan, who was going to be one of the biggest monster heels the AWA ever had. Well, that lasted about a month. And uh, pretty soon, Luscious Johnny was not needed in that managerial role anymore. For some reason, uh, Hulk Hogan was able to carry on all by himself and become one, you know, arguably the biggest babyface in AWA history. One of the great talkers of all time, of course, teamed up with uh, his alleged brother, uh, Jimmy Valiant, did some commentary for the AWA in the later years up in Rochester, Minnesota, was a stand-up comic out East uh, when he got out of professional wrestling and then sadly the victim of a hit and run accident. A couple of years ago, we lost Luscious Johnny Valiant, but what a gift of gab and how flamboyant was he at ringside?
2: Without a doubt. And I will have to say that uh, when I think of Luscious Johnny Valiant, uh, when he came in, he managed the, the destruction crew for a while as well. But Johnny, both inside and outside the ring or on and off camera, was caffeine on caffeine. Yeah. He just loved to and could talk. Love the guy. Love the guy. Let's go
0: to uh, another one here, guys. And I'm going to go ahead and bring this up. And this might be one of my favorite factions of all time. There you go. Uh, give me the impre- Give me the impression, Mick. Hold on. Before
2: all of a sudden, I he- I have a stench of garlic in my office. Garlic and tabbouleh. and uh, <laughs> Your Highness,
1: <laughs> what's what's going on? How's your crotch, crotch? <laughs> um, Sheikh Adnan LKC, a legend. We've talked about Adnan forever and ever I can't think of a greater guy um he's the real deal and perhaps got more heat than anybody outside of Bobby Heenan in that managerial role uh, I you know sad to say he never did make it back to Baghdad where the the uh the caravan was waiting the camels and, and the sheep and the you know who knows who else uh, but Adnan LKC talk about heat. When he went to WWE, they legitimately got death threats when they turned Sergeant Slaughter uh, heel. And uh, to this day, one of my favorite people mm-hmm. ever. I love Adnan LKC. What a guy.
2: About, uh, about a year and a half ago, I was able to see him for the first time since the AWA Day Z. Uh, came in to, uh, to work in Indie Showdown in Stillwater, Minnesota. And I remember him pulling in, his daughter drove him in this big black SUV. I walk up to the window and he looks at me and he has this inquisitive look like, God, I know, who are you? I open up the door and I go, Adnan, do you remember a skinny little production guy? He looks at me, Polish Joe? Yep, and it was just great to see him again. Um, fantastic guy, Adnan Mick. Everything you said about Adnan, I concur.
0: Two more left here, guys, and and for those that have been following, I don't think that these are going to be a surprise. Precious Paul Ellering,
1: that guy right there. Again, what a transformation when he mm-hmm. got into the business. He started out as a very milk toast baby face, tremendously strong power lifter, massive physique. Uh, started in the AWA up here, and then when he went down south, he dyed his hair when he had hair. Uh, he dyed it blonde, became a monster heel. Uh, precious Paul Ellering, very flamboyant. Of course, his claim to fame is the real life business manager and ringside manager of Animal and Hawk, the road warriors, an all-time great, brilliant guy.
2: Agreed. Brilliant. But he, here's one of those things where I don't know that Animal and Hawk needed a manager on camera because their promos, in particular Hawks, were so freaking good. But then you'd bring Paul in there, and he would just even make them better because he had his Wall Street Journal and and, and just it, it, much like Bobby and Nick. It was a nice edi- it was a nice addition. That It was a compliment. It, it yes. was they, they were complimentary to each other, not in the oh, you're a good guy. They just complimented each other's interview skills phenomenally.
1: I think uh, Paul was uh, more valuable as a manager outside the ring to the road warriors to be honest with you But anyway the last guy we've talked about how much how much hyperbole and how much uh you know kudos can can we give to the greatest manager that ever lived uh no question about it and there he is uh both as a manager and then in the ring we've said it ad nauseum the greatest all-around performer in the history of wrestling He's not the clown, ladies and gentlemen, that you saw towards the end of the WWF, although he and Gorilla Monsoon were tremendous together. Perhaps the greatest heat magnet in the history of professional wrestling, people legitimately hated him and wanted to tear him apart. Bobby Heenan, the list of guys he's managed in the AWA is endless and no, There's Bobby Heenan, there's everybody else, and that's pure and simple.
2: Well, as, as Nick Bockwinkel used to say about Bobby, when uh, Nick and Ray had the tag team championships and one of them couldn't appear and they'd throw Bobby in, that it was even better for whether it was a house show or a larger show yeah. in Milwaukee or Green Bay, it was even better because Bobby was just that good. A heat magnet and he was that weasel that everybody just wanted to see get the shit knocked out of him. Absolutely. You know, on on occasion that he did, big pop. But then he would always find a way to say, well, I didn't do anything wrong. You're, You're... he, I think he was the originator of fake news, to be honest with you.
1: I don't. Th- I, I never personally saw Bobby do anything wrong. I, you know, he, if Bobby says he didn't interfere, he didn't he interfere. Didn't
0: interfere. What, what was great about Bobby Heenan is that he seemed like he could be a compliment and part of a team. But then if he was in something that he was featured, like he was an attraction. And how many people could say they were an attraction and also part of... You know, a, a combination, whether it was part of, you know, Patterson Stevens, you know, the, uh, you know, Blackjacks or Nick Bachwinkle, Like he there wasn't anywhere that he didn't garner that attention. And that is hard to say about anybody other than Bobby Heenan.
1: He was brilliant. He, he was absolutely brilliant. You know, whether he's managing Nick or not. But as a singles wrestler, mm-hmm. he'd get in the ring with an amateur wrestler like Evan Johnson or Laurent Soucy. And he'd always promo. I'm a competitor. I'm going to take this amateur punk. I'm going to go behind him, you know, up and down. He'll feel like he's in a revolving door by the time I get done with him. And, of course, Bobby would sell his ass off. And and nobody will ever, ever touch Bobby Heenan.
2: And when he got into the ring, what I loved about Bobby in the ring is he had the miniature version of the Andre the Giant singlet (laughs) with the one (laughs) strap over him. Uh, Bobby, you were no Andre the, the Giant. But you didn't need to be because you... Were the single greatest overall performer this business has ever seen. Amen.
0: Well, that'll do it for our managers and valets. Uh, hopefully, everybody out there enjoyed it. Uh, we'll talk, of course, you know, more throughout uh, the rest of the podcast about managers and um, managers and valets. We talked about Bobby Heenan uh, ad nauseum. Let's go ahead and uh, give our shout-outs. Uh, Mick, why don't you go ahead and uh, start with yours?
1: going to start with Dick Yerke, who I believe is uh, celebrating a birthday on or about uh, the time of this taping. Um, he's at all the shows. He's refereed. He's helped with the ring with his with his brothers and his dad. I mean, this guy is just hes a, a, an outstanding guy, and we love him. And Richard Dick Yerke, Hello to you, my friend.
0: I'm going to give mine to uh, Aaron Sims. He is the uh, radio voice of the Milwaukee Admirals, uh, at Aaron Admirals on Twitter, always really active, a big supporter of the podcast, and uh, that is my shout-out. And, uh, Joe, we're going to let you go last this week because we've got
2: about three minutes, and uh, here we go. I'm going to give my shout out this week to uh, actually to an AWA legend, Jumping Jim Brunzel. So why a shout out to him? Well, you know what? I just don't want to keep you in the dark any longer. Chris, can you elaborate, please? Yes.
0: Uh, let, me, uh, let me go ahead and I'm going to give the visual for those on YouTube. There it is. We have got AWA Unleashed After Dark coming up Friday night, April 28th at the Croatian Hall, South St. Paul. It's going to be your opportunity to hang out with us. We're going to tell some never-before-told stories. We can't tell them on the podcast. This is going to be more of uh, an adult-themed show. It's not going to be recorded or anything. And Jim Brunzel, Jumpin' Jim, has agreed to come, take pictures, sign autographs, kiss babies. Kiss, you know, I I maybe not kissing the babies. But he's going to be there. And you're going to hear stories that he's never told. Uh, you're going to hear maybe some of the things. If you got a question you want to ask of him, and maybe you're like, ah, maybe this is kind of a little too risque, nothing is off limits. We're going to have 7th Avenue Pizza, uh, Landon, and uh, Soda Stick are going to be there, and we've got all the information on our website, right, Joe? What is our website? Well, the real website
2: will be live here in just a few days, um, but it will be awaunleashedpodcast.com. We will put up the announcement on our social media. When that is available, you'll be able to order tickets through the website, we are also offering VIP tables for those who want to get an extra special little treatment at the event. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this. It's right in my old stomping grounds of South St. Paul, where I'm originally from, at the old Croatian Hall. And uh, you know, d- d- despite what some people might think, um, that'll be my first time ever at the Croatian Hall. Uh, so that'll be a very fun venture, and if you believe that, well, take a look at this profile, and you know, Pinocchio's got nothing on me. But no, I'm not lying about the event. I'm uh, really looking forward to it. I think we're going to have some fun.
0: Yeah there, there are sh- there are stories that we want to tell on the podcast that we can't. Uh, again, Friday night, April twenty eighth, Croatian Hall. All the information right there, South Saint Paul. Uh, Tickets, we're going to have some VIP tables, and we're going to have a general admission seating. But do get your tickets early because I have a feeling this is going to be pretty in demand. You guys have wanted it, and uh, Jim Brunzel has been nice enough to agree to appear. So uh, let's let's make it happen, guys. It is happening, and uh, that's just a few weeks away. So mark it down on the calendars. I'm super, super excited for AWA Unleashed After
1: Dark. It's going to be great and jumping Jim Brunzel. Thanks again. You're always there, buddy. You never turn us down and you're a straight shooter. It's going to be a great, great night. No doubt about it.
2: Going to be some killer business, I think.